Well, my friends, welcome to another Blues in the Blood podcast. Well, the gear is in tune, the mics are hot, and the crowd's getting restless. The music is just about ready to start, so get a refill on your favorite drink, grab a seat, and get ready to get some Blues in the Blood.
closet behind the clothes away down the alley that nobody knows a master key that i can fit any lock i even got a hole behind grandpa's clock 29 ways gonna make it to my baby's door well if you need me now i can find about two three more yes sir. to another Blues in the Blood podcast. This is show number 60 for the first part of November 2008. Hey, welcome back everybody. Uh, Got another great show for you. This show will be called the Braille Blues Daddy Blues. Why? Well, that's because uh, this show is dedicated just to one single artist, uh, Brian Lee. Due to his blindness, his nickname is the uh, Braille Blues Daddy. We start off the show with uh, 29 ways. That's, That's off of Brian's 2007 Just In Time record CD, Katrina was her name. So, who else are we going to hear from on this Braille Blues Daddy Blues other than Brian Lee? Absolutely no one. It's all going to be Brian Lee. Uh, we're going to hear lots of great tunes from him, uh, like Don't Joke With The Stroke, Barefootin', Blues Singer, Flatfoot Sam, Take It Like A Man, and Low Down and Dirty. Just to kind of give you an idea of what the setting was like for this interview, it was held uh, downtown in Roanoke, Virginia at the Blue Five Restaurant. I was uh, granted access to the green room, and I sure appreciate that. Thanks to Carrie and the Blue Five for that. I think you'll enjoy the show. And I first learned of Brian Lee by watching a um, an award-winning DVD. It was 10 Days Out. It's a DVD by Kenny Wayne Shepard, and it's an awesome DVD. If you have a chance, go out and buy it. But Brian Lee's on it, and there's a a song on there called Tina Marie. You won't hear that on this show, but I highly recommend you go out and buy that DVD. Uh, It really is a good one. So, you ready for some more Braille Blues Daddy Blues? I hope so. Crank it up, my friends. We're off and running. Well, hello there. Welcome to another Blues in the Blood show. I'm honored today to have a chance to have a brief interview with an incredibly talented and legendary blues man. With me today is the one and only Brian Lee. Brian, welcome to the Blues in the Blood show. It's uh, great to be here. This is uh, sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. Should be. It really should be. If you would, uh, for our listeners out there who haven't had the, the good fortune to hear about you, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and how you got into the blues. Well, I'm originally uh, from a little town in northeastern Wisconsin, right on Lake Michigan, called uh, Two Rivers, and there actually are two rivers that crisscross each other and go into the lake and primarily Two Rivers has been a fishing 
town forever and ever and ever and ever. <laughs> Industry moved out, and now it's like uh, people from Chicago and around come up and charter boats for fishing because the lake is nice and clean up there, and uh, you know it's it's good good fishing country. Mm -hmm. um, I uh, you know have been in this business a long time, actually, uh, 52 years. Uh, I just turned 65, so it, it's it's been a long <laughs> time, but 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 a pleasurable time. I I, I, fin I I finally at one point in my career just said, you know, I've been working around the Midwest and I'm having a hard time getting into Chicago because uh, back in the 70s it just just was hard. Mm -hmm. uh, it wasn't really the, the performers as much as it was uh, the promoters and stuff. Hmm. So I had a chance to go down into the South in 1979, and uh, I uh, was really excited about it because a lot of the music that I loved came from the South because what I used to do as a kid, <laughs> and, and, and being blind, the radio was like my friend, and <laughs> I like to listen to the radio late at night, and being right on the lake, I could get uh, faraway stations like the Clear Channel 50 watt, 50,000 watt stations that would aim their signal north, uh, especially in the wintertime, like hmm. as early as 8 o'clock at night. Uh, I could pick up WLAC in Nashville, wow. and that's they would start their, their blues and rhythm and blues programming with uh, John R., and then they had another DJ, Hoss Allen, and then they had uh, Herman Grizzard, and then they'd go back to uh, John R., and then about 3 o'clock in the morning, they would play live gospel till about 5, so some nights wow. I <laughs> stayed up that late, you know. Wow. I'd be in my bed, but I'd have my portable radio, you know, there by my ear, not too loud, so my folks or you know, could, could, could know that I was up to no good. But, uh, so now here I am, 1979, and I'm going down to New Orleans and going to Shreveport where another station I used to listen to, KDKA, was, was there and they had Stan's record shop. And uh, I, I played in Grambling and... Uh, that was interesting to me because of football, the Green Bay Packers, Willie Davis would come from Grambling, and I mean, he was really a player that was so loved right. by, by people, you know, in Wisconsin. So all these things are like going through my mind, and uh, I finally got down to New Orleans. I spent a couple days in Baton Rouge before that, which a lot of the blues guys uh, actually kind of hung around back Baton Rouge, you know. Mm -hmm. Then I got down in New Orleans and uh, I played at Tipitina's Uptown, which mm -hmm. was a club that was put together for Professor Longhair. And, uh, right. I had known about Fest, but not a lot. <laughs> uh, I knew more things about, like, Dr. John and, and, and the Meters, and uh, I had liked, though, I realized that there was more music in New Orleans beyond uh, Fats Domino. I started hearing some of those guys that did some of the tunes that Fats recorded and made hits. Heard the originals like Chris Kenner and Sugar Boy Crawford and Smiley Lewis especially. Hmm. He and, and Bobby Charles were like my favorite. I'm going to have to look them singers. up. But they, yeah, they, they don't ring bells to me. So okay, that's okay. I'm well, learning that's, new stuff. That's in the 50s, you know. <laughs> okay. So anyway, here I am. So we played at Tipitina's and we didn't have a very big crowd because... Uh, 
nobody knew about me. It was my first time into the South. Hmm. But uh, a couple of the bartenders at the end of the night said, man, we really liked your show. We'd like to take you down to the French Quarter. Would you like to go? I said, yeah, man, I'd really <laughs> like to go to the French Quarter. And they go, yeah, there's this guy. His name is Luther Kent, and he plays with like a 10-piece band. And they do all kinds of blues and rhythm and blues and stuff. Hmm. A lot of the old New Orleans stuff. And they work till like about 6 in the morning. They do a late night show because the bars there never close. Yeah. He's feeling that funk. <laughs> I hit me, bass. Now, baby, that's winning in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we jamming. 
set to go and they asked me if I wanted to sit in wow. and I had never ever in my life played with a six piece horn section and uh, first they just let me play and then they finally let me sing a song so I was up there for about 40 minutes and uh, I just was so knocked out <laughs> well then we ran up they said come on sometimes there's a couple bands on Bourbon Street that play later, like at the Absinthe Bar and at the 544 Club, so let's run up there, you know? So, walking down Bourbon Street, I was like, wow, <laughs> if this old street could talk. And I started thinking about the New Orleans characters like Jean Lafitte and <laughs> right. Andrew Jackson and um, so many other guys that, that roamed those streets way back when, you know? And uh, the House of the Rising Sun and all this right. stuff, you know. And the one thing I noticed was that on Bourbon Street, there weren't any kick-ass guitar players. Hmm. Like, the band would do a blues tune and the audience would go nuts. But they didn't have the guitar player that could wail a solo. Hmm. So I sat in with a couple bands on Bourbon. 
And they went crazy. And the next day I started thinking, I thought, wow, I like the weather. Just think, not traveling in snow, <laughs> cold weather. Maybe Beats you can get in here. They seem more <laughs> accepting to a white guy that plays blues. They don't seem to mm -hmm. have the attitude like they do in Chicago. Because, you know, Bruce Iglauer had broken my heart. He, he told me one time that, well, you know, uh, I, I just don't believe that, you know, white guys can play blues and, uh, Is that right? you know, even if they're good, they're, they're not good enough. And I, I told him, I said, Bruce, I gave you a lot of clubs for your hmm. players to, to, to go at because I was working like a college circuit around the Midwest. And uh, he had called me and said, well, you know, you're a blues band and you're playing. I need places for my people to play. Hmm. So I helped him out and... I just was really disappointed by what he said. To me. That's a shame. Yeah, because Bruce is a great supporter of our show. He, yeah, he, yeah. Uh, and so unfortunately, <laughs> I, 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 I talked back to him. I said, "Well, you know what, Bruce? I don't hold anything against you because you're Jewish." And to this day, he's. <laughs> this was in the seventies. That to this right. day, he still is not necessarily a friend of mine. You know? <laughs> Now, I, I had, and then, uh, then he got all those white artists on his label, so I mean, it's like you know. But anyways, you know, we sure. we we, you know, it's all different in Chicago now, mm -hmm. thank God, you know. But I mean, it's like that's that's basically when I got the idea to move down there, and I just every time we went to play down there, I made more friends, and the the one bartender guy that that had taken me out to see Luther Kent originally, his name was Stuart Holman. He had an extra bedroom. He said, man, you want to move down here? <laughs> he said, man, you can stay at my house. I'll feed you. I'll take care of you until you get on your feet. Well, there's a deal. And that's what I did. And I packed up uh, January 2nd <laughs> of 1982. Left Milwaukee, Wisconsin in a snowstorm. <laughs> packed up all my furniture and my gear. And I took my drummer and my bass player down with me, and they were going to help me out for a while. I mean, eventually they were going to go home, but they would help me out. Right. Drove, I got down there on, Janu on January 6th, about 8 o'clock, and 10 o'clock we set up the gear and played a gig. <laughs> wow. And now, I've been there ever since. Yeah, and from what I understand, too, that you played at the old Absence Bar in New Orleans five nights a week for 14 years? Is 14 that? and a half years, wow. yeah. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. Now, one of the questions I had for you was, was it difficult to hit the road on tour after you're used to playing at the same place all the time? Was that well, you know, I mean, I did so much road work. Because when I moved down there, I was 39 years old. So I had already started traveling when I was like 17 and 18 years old, mm -hmm. you know. And uh, like I took my last year of high school by correspondence from uh, Correspondent School for the Blind in uh, Winnetka, Illinois. So, on your so website, I could get out there, you know. Yeah, I saw on their website you went back to school and <laughs> played I, a gig I there. I did, I did. It was really fun. Uh, like I never thought it would be. But... Uh, because I was kind of a bad guy because I played the kind of music that <laughs> all my teachers didn't like, you know. But what a role model, though, really. I mean, for the show and potential for everybody. Well, that's, that's mm -hmm. why I went back and I, you know, I gave the talk was because uh, I've worked all my life. Mm -hmm. Yes, at times it's been a struggle, but then again, you know, I never had to hang my head. I had this ability. I am computer illiterate because... 
the computer came very late in my lifetime, and mm-hmm. I'm always too busy to sit down and learn. Uh, and you, you know, they, they they have programs set up for blind people. I have friends right. who are just incredible with the computer, mm-hmm. but uh, I I just don't. I always just never really have enough time. You well, know? with your focus on music, obviously you've picked the right focus because it's. I mentioned to you before we started this interview that I had come across you on Kenny Wayne Shepherd's DVD. Right. I guess that won an award, so I'm a big music DVD fan. I just can't get enough of them in me. And well, they got some good ones. Now. I, yeah, I saw that one, and then I, you know I saw your um, your number. Really fell in love with it, and when I uh, Bethany had sent me the email note about, hey, would you like to interview? Uh, Brian Lee, I'm kind of like, Brian Lee, Brian Lee. Well, that rings a bell. And then sure enough, when I saw your website, it's like, holy mackerel. Heck yeah. <laughs> Put me on a list. So thank Bethany for that when you do have a chance. Uh, I will. I really do oh, appreciate it. later tonight. Uh, okay. Now, one thing I did want to mention to you, um, we're going to kind of cut away from some of the, the interview to, to play some of your songs. Sure. And I wanted to show a little sample of your music on your newest Just In Time record CD. Katrina was her name. And here's a tune called Barefoot. When you're in your seat Take off your shoes or pat the feet Doing a dance that it can't be beat We bow for it
can you bear for two? Suit told your hair, I studied school. I've been barefooting ever since I was two. I'm barefooted. playing tonight at the Blue Five restaurant here in Roanoke, um, also known as the Star City of Virginia. Kind of a small, intimate crowd setting. But I also notice on your website you play at festivals, too. Um, do you prefer to play large festivals, or do you have a preference for smaller venues? I like them all, but frankly, I like the, the smaller, warmer rooms. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times at festivals, the crowd is a large crowd, but it's a long ways away from me. They usually have, like, some kind of fencing in front of the stage so that the people wouldn't be able to get up on the stage. That's right, yeah. And so they're a little bit of ways, and uh, it's harder for me to to hear them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, like, in a club like this, it's, it's just easy. It's easy to talk to people. It's easy to be personable. Mm-hmm. And really, through the years... Where the blues has always been live and well is in the small clubs. That's a great point. And it has surges, you know, in mm-hmm. the Nashville kind of market and all, but it's always live and well in the small clubs. And you know, you you don't, you can always survive. Uh, you don't maybe make big bucks, but you mm-hmm. know, if you just if you're creative and all, you know, you make enough bucks, you make a living. But, and then when these festivals come along and. You know, recordings and everything, well, there you go. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, I mean, the blues societies and media as yourself and mm-hmm. people that write in, 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 in magazines and newspapers. And, uh, I just am so thankful for all of you because uh, you're the ones who are working so hard to keep the blues alive. Well, because I- this art form, I hope it never dies. I've been singing this blues so long I feel like I'm on my own Yeah, I've been singing this blues so long I feel like I'm on my own I wanna keep on singing this blues Till the good Lord take me home King. Uh, I was 17 years old. Yeah, the way he sang his song and played his guitar made my blood run cold. That's the day I chose the blues, cause they satisfy my soul. Let me show you what I mean now. Huh? Oh.
baby in the gate mouth. They don't play no games. Yes, when I get smoking, it ain't no joke. I just bust out in flames. Ain't that right, brother Bruce? Take me home. That's right. Well, I'm a blues singer and a guitar singer. Uh, just trying to get my message through. I said a blues singer and a guitar singer. It ain't no brag, baby, just fact. See, I eat the blues. see uh, maybe 15 or 20 years from now in, in blues music is do you think it's going to change or well the young the, young the youngsters the youngsters have changed it mm-hmm. um, you know Kenny he's like right on that edge kind of between blues and rock what like on XM mm-hmm. Bluesville they call stone blues but he respects 
the old guys. Uh, but some of these guys, it's like there's a, there's this fantasy going on with these young guys. You know, some guy that's 18 or some guy that's 20, you know, he's, he's mm-hmm. playing the blues. And it's like, you are, you are not a good blues player <laughs> at 18 or 20 years old. You have to live and you have to study the art form. And so many of these guys, they just go back to, to Stevie Ray exactly. and Jimi Hendrix. Exactly. And they don't go back any further than that. Or mm-hmm. they think going back is to listen to Eric Clapton. <laughs> well, Eric has done a good job, you know, to uh, pay homage. He's promoted the blues, but he... Exactly. There for a while, mm-hmm. I was not an Eric Clapton fan because he wasn't doing anything about the blues. And he, then he did that he, from the Cradle album. Right. Then here and there, he's... You know, he did them Chicago records and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he's... He's, blues is in what he does. I mean, uh, I had I had had that, uh, oh, what was it called, with him and Dwayne Allman, Derek and Adamas. Oh, yeah. I had had that on vinyl, and it was trash. I was in a store that kind of sold a little bit of everything, and the, the CD was there. Right. And so I bought it, and I took it home, and I had to listen to the album for so many years. Mm-hmm. And I started smiling because, you know, he's he's trying to play some blues on there, you know. I mean it was like of course with, with John Mayall, he was he, that's when he was, you know, noted as, as a blues player. And with Cream they kicked a couple things around, but I always felt that when he was an icon, Eric, there's nothing to stop you. You have plenty of money. Uh why don't you just go back to the blues? And help Back some of those guys because that's what you came up with, and I know you love it. But I remember on a radio program, he made a comment a number of years ago. This was before the From the Cradle album. Mm-hmm. He said that he thought blues was dead. He said people just don't seem to be in a blues state of mind anymore. Hmm. And that, I have to say, that made me mad. I thought, now look, Eric, you're, 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 you're an icon. You're a big star. Mm-hmm. People listen to you. You just hit me below the belt, you know? (laughs) Exactly. Well, if your baby says goodbye, don't let her see you break down and cry. Take it like a man. I said take it like a man. Take it like a man. Try to do the best you can. Your luck is bad, now don't lose your mind. Everybody's got to have bad luck sometimes. Take it like a man. I said, take it like a man. Take it like a man. Try to do the best you can.
take this woman uh, uh, to be your wife? Find you in trouble for the rest of your life. Take it like a man. I said, take it like a man. Take it like a man. Try to do the best that you can. I said, take it, take it, take it like a man. Take it, take it, take it like a man. Yes, I said, take it like a man. Take it like a man. This is Brian Lee coming at you from that Louisiana swamp. And you know what? You are listening to the Blues in the Blood show. They play my music. It's great. Dave has got the blues, so turn it up. Oh, yes. We got a whole lot of socket to me. <laughs> Look here, baby. Flatfoot Sam got him an automobile. No money down, it was a real good beat. He didn't want to work just right around town. The finance company put his feet on the ground. Flatfoot Sam, he's always in a jam. Flatfoot Sam stole him a $10 bill. He told the judge he did it for a thrill. He got six days and a suspended fine. A thank you, judge, for being so kind. Flatfoot Sam, he's always in a jam. Well, Flatfoot Sam went and got him a job. Very first day, the place was rock. The cats got away and they couldn't be found. They took old Sam and they tore him down. Flatfoot Sam is always in a jam. Thing you know, she got another man. Flatfoot Sam, stop with in a jam. Well.
Now, you made a comment recently that I heard that people should close their eyes and listen to music exactly. and, and forget the visual effect, you call exactly. it. Exactly. Elaborate on that a little bit, if you would. I thought that was really interesting. Well, I, I wonder, I, I think people at times have. You, you, you sit home some nights and you, you leave the lights out and you just kind of maybe relax in your favorite chair mm-hmm. and you just listen to the sound around you. You like that stillness. Mm-hmm. And that is the very best way to listen to music because you you don't have to uh, you know if you're listening on headphones you don't have to crank it too loud or if you're listening to your stereo you'd be surprised how much you can hear in that stillness right and if you listen to it in the darkness you're not distracted your ears your mind totally closes in on the sound that you're listening to. Hmm. And I think more people need to do that. In Good fact, when we made Katrina Was Her Name, mm-hmm. um, the representative from the record company, a fine lady, she had been educated, she had a PhD in music, she had been educated in Italy. And uh, she came to observe us doing this album, and she also had the checks for everybody from the record company. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, we were doing it at Duke Robel Art Studio, which is not a big, swamp, fancy type of studio. It's in his basement. He has an old New England house. And it's a great place to make blues records. It's a huge, huge house. Mm-hmm. So it has a huge basement. A lot of rooms. You can use them to make booths and it's just a good place to record. She felt very uncomfortable there because it didn't look like a recording studio like <laughs> she was used to. Well, it's like, you know, you never either, ever went to the old Sun Studio. Or you, you never ever went to the old Chess Studio mm-hmm. either, you know. And like Sam Phillips talked about this perfect imperfection that you search for when you're doing blues. Like mm-hmm. he referred to... Holland Wolf as perfect imperfection right. hmm. uh, when, when he was recording Wolf. So I told her, I said, Yadro, in all due respect, I said, I know you've worked in some very huge and, and expensive recording studios that have everything. I said, I know you've worked with people in New York. I know that you've worked with people in Europe. I said, no, I know Montreal has a couple of incredible studios. I said, but do you listen a lot to blues records? Do you listen to the chess records? Do you listen to any of that kind of stuff? The King records, the old King records. And, you know, Probably didn't goes, have well, a clue well, what they were. <laughs> not really, you know, I listen, I listen to CDs, you know. And, but I'm working at the time when I'm listening. I said, well, here's the deal here. I said, you need to close your eyes and listen with your ears as we're working. I said, maybe you don't like to look at this place. I said, but guess what? That's not why we're here. We are here to put out real blues. It, it, it needs to be alive, and it, it, it doesn't need to be all glossed over with uh, this kind of EQ and that kind of EQ. Right. And this kind of echo and that kind of reverb and uh, 
let's double his voice or let's use a, a pitch controller Special because effect, he hit right. a bad note. I said, mm-hmm. we don't we, we don't we don't do that. If if I'm singing and I hit a bad note, we stop. You know, we, we, we start again. I said, you know, we're doing this the equipment is, is, is new age stuff, but we're doing it the old way. And I said, did you ever think about some of those great Ray Charles records and all of that? On Atlantic, they used mm-hmm. one microphone placed <laughs> just in the right place of the room. I said, remember Jerry Wexler used to talk about how their recording studio was an office during the day, <laughs> and they would stack up the desks and get the chairs out and everything like that so that they could have the recording sessions at night. I said, did you ever think about that? And yeah. she just really didn't know what to say. <laughs> it's, it's because a lot of people today are just too, they're so computerized, mm-hmm. you know, that they don't, they don't stop what they're doing and slow down and just like, you know, listen to that music. Listen to the real thing. Relaxed, you know. Mm-hmm. Turn out the lights. Listen to it, you know. It's 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 just, I you know, I, I, I remember I said to one woman one time, I said, look, when you kiss the man you love, do you leave your eyes open? And she goes, no. I said, okay. <laughs> uh, what real impression or trait about you would you like to leave on people that continue to listen to your music? That I was honest, a sincere, hardworking, personable, and that also... Uh, I think the most important thing to me, because the good Lord gave me this gift, that I left some spirituality with my audiences. I did see on your your website that you you mentioned that you play every show like it's your last. And yes, it's a pleasure having you with uh, with me today. I appreciate good. your time. And I really look forward to hearing you crank the tunes out at the Blue Five tonight. So I'd, I'm ready. All right, we're going to end the show with a tune called Low Down and Dirty off of your latest. Uh, Katrina was her name. And once again, thanks to Brian Lee for joining the Blues and the Blood show today. Swing on over to the Blues and the Blood website for a link to buy his great music. Take it for me, folks. It's blues at the finest. David, uh, thank you for keeping this all alive. Keep doing it. My pleasure, my friend. Tina Marie on the set oh, list yes. at all? Okay. I generally close with it. <laughs> All right, great. So. Well, I look forward to hearing from you, and thanks once again. It's my pleasure. Right. Yes! Man, we roll, baby. Crank up that stereo. Ah. Well, I'm low down and dirty, got the low down dirty way. Let me tell you something, woman, I'm going to clear it up some dirt.
me tell you something, woman. I'm going to clean up. I'm so dirty. I'm going to clean up my low down dirty way. Yes. Well, low down and dirty. I've got those low down dirty ways. Wraps up show number 60 first for the first part of November 2008. I hope you enjoyed the show as much as I did putting it together. Now, you know the routine. Uh, what do you do now that you've heard this great music? By all means, go out and uh, buy Brian's music. Uh, he's got a number of CDs out. You heard a, a lot of um, tunes off of his 2007 Just In Time record CD. Uh, by the way, uh, the name of that was uh, Katrina Was Her Name. It was produced by Duke Robillard. Uh, as you can tell by that great sound of music, that was nominated for the 2008 Best Contemporary Blues Album. I think the music is just ass-kicking, and by all means, there's a lot more tunes on that CD. So go out and pick yourself up a copy. Uh, go to the bluesintheblood.com website, and I'll have hyperlinks out there. to uh, So you can go directly to the uh, website and order some of Brian's music. While you're out there on the website buying some of Brian's music, check out uh, Brian Lee's DVD. It's uh, I When I saw Brian at uh, live at the concert that night, I went out and and bought the DVD. It's called uh, Live and Dangerous. Um, pick yourself up a copy of that too. It really is an incredible uh, concert and really gives you a great idea of uh, Brian Lee's capabilities and, really, and a really great tight band too. So check out Brian Lee and Live and Dangerous. It's a great DVD. Special thanks to the Blue 5 Restaurant for access to their green room for the interview. Uh, also special thanks to Michael Allen for allowing me to use his great artwork on my website. Special thanks to Mark Blown for, uh, from uh, Agnes Banks Australia for sending me a CD of some awesome sounding Australian blues. You'll hear some of that on upcoming shows. 
So take a minute and drop me an email note. Uh, I'd love to get, I'd love to hear from you. Send those emails to Dave at bluesintheblood.com. That's B-L-U-Z-N-D-A-B-L-O-O-D.com. Well, until next time, this is Dave Harrison reminding you to keep the blues alive and keep the blues in the blood.